0: listening to the Omega Church Sermon of the Week, be sure to subscribe to this channel to stay up to date with our latest teachings and feel free to reach out to us via our Facebook page or website. As you listen to this message, we pray God will reveal himself to you in a fresh way. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's shout hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So we have finished uh, the book of Galatians and uh, we are going to start a study in a couple of weeks on uh, one John, John's first epistle. It's uh, very powerful, very short. But I thought it would be a good idea for us to know who is this John about, I mean, whose uh, epistle we are going to study. So today we'll focus on and learn who John the Apostle is. And um, basically you'll see his name connected with five of the books in the New Testament. You have the Gospel of John according to John, you got uh, the book of Revelation, and then you have first epistle, second epistle, third epistle of John. So total five books attributed to him. Except in the book of Revelation, where he clearly says this revelation given to John. Very clearly mentions his name. But other four places his name is not mentioned. But we have historically has been verified time and again that it is John indeed who wrote the other four books as well. So his confrontation, how uh, how he how he, uh, how he met Jesus is very very important for us to know. He was initially following John the Baptist. According to John's uh, Gospel, chapter 1, verse 35, he was a disciple of John the Baptist. and um, His father's name is Zebedee, He's sons of Zebedee basically. So you got James and John. Every time you men- when you see in the New Testament in the f- Gospels, the names are mentioned, James first and then John second. So from that we understand that James must be older and John the younger. So he is the youngest of the, in the family. And something that attracted my attention as I was studying about John was the family dynamics. Family dynamics. What do I mean by that? The father was a fisherman, but wealthy fisherman. He not only owned his own boat, but he also had hired workers to work for him. That means he must be quite well-off. Very, very well-off man. And then they had connections to the high priest family. That means um they had people known in powers i mean place of power so that is how i would put it because when uh, jesus was on trial john was able to go inside the court inside the court where jesus was being tried and he had no problem about access in fact it was he who helped peter to go in basically and um, Also probably he would have been supplying fish to the high priest or whatever way, but they had connections, they had people of influence and wealthy family. And his mother's name is probably Salome. Probably. Why do I say probably? Because you can't completely, 100% say this is it. But tradition says Salome is the name. And she is one of those women who supported the ministry of Jesus, traveling with him. Out of her own substance, she gave to Jesus' ministry. So Jesus, how did he do ministry? Did he need money? Yeah, he did need money. How did he get it? Because those who were following him were the ones who contributed towards the needs. Because even if Jesus, being son of God, can live without food, let us assume, and no need for extra clothing. Let's say he was able to wear only one robe and live all his life. But what about the disciples who were with him? He had to sustain them. So the help was coming from those who were following him. And his mother, John's mother, Salome, is one of those women who is to support from her own wealth, from her own riches. So he comes from a very comfortable family. And John seems to have his own house in Jerusalem. He, he lived in Jerusalem. And you see him living in Jerusalem for most part of his life. But in the later part, he moved to Ephesus, where he, in his old age, he lived in Ephesus. And from there, he wrote all the five books. That is, gospel, like someone says, the tradition says that someone presented the gospel of Matthew, Mark and Luke to him. He read all the three. And then he said, I have to write one more gospel. And the gospel that he wrote is something very special. Why is it special? It has information that is not there in other gospels. At the same time, you will see the growth of John in the in the book of uh, in the, in the Gospel according to uh, John, he, you, even though his name is non mentioned, he was an eyewitness. Many things he writes there are like an eyewitness. Example: I'll give you a couple of examples. One of the examples is the uh, the trial where Jesus was tried. He describes the outer court, gates, and all those things. Unless one is familiar with the structure of the place, you will not be able to give the details. So the details he gives are very important. That says a lot about him. He is a man who is meticulous, one who was concerned about details. So he was able to give details about those things. And after the resurrection, the disciples decided to go fishing. And when they were fishing, they uh, they couldn't catch any fish basically. And Jesus was standing on the shore, and he tells them, "Cast your net." And when they cast the net, They drew the net, they had 153 fish. Who counted them? Probably John was an eyewitness. 153. So the details are very important. So John was an eyewitness account of the gospel and very powerful. Very powerful. It describes, the the gospel proves that Jesus is son of God. See, every gospel writer has been written with a perspective in his mind. The Matthew wrote to Jewish people, and the Mark writes to the Gent. I mean, Mark writes to uh, writes as a servant of Je- Jesus, as a servant, and Luke writes to the Gentiles, and John writes to prove that he is a son of God. And uh, so, John's perspective is very, very important perspective for us, and uh, it has got s- things that baffles the brightest of the minds. First verses, first eighteen verses of the gospel. You can take 18 years to study the 18 verses. Because it is so deep in meaning. No one can completely understand what he has written there. It requires a revelation from the Holy Spirit to understand. So because this man has moved and he was also the closest of the disciples. He had 12 apostles. He selected them. Among the 12 he chose three. Peter, James and John. They were the most closest circle. Among the three he was the most beloved disciple he is called the beloved disciple several times in the gospel you say Jesus um, is a, talks about the disciple whom who was beloved by the master Jesus he was a beloved disciple so um, he also was able to have the great privilege of resting his head on the bosom of Jesus Christ, or the chest of Jesus Christ. You know, Every time you, you see that word, you know, King James Version has the, <laughs> that word. So he was able to recline. And when Jesus talks, one of you are going to betray me. And he was reclining his head on uh, Jesus, and he was lying there. And then Peter makes sign language. Find out who it is. Find out who it is. Then he asks the Lord, Lord, who is it? You know, that intimacy, physical intimacy, If anyone ever had, there was John with Jesus. But I tell you, keep that in mind. We may not have physical intimacy like John had with Jesus today. But you can have an encounter with Jesus, as John had with Jesus on the island of Patmos in the book of Revelation. And you can have that kind of revelation, and you will be floored. You, uh, when, when he saw Jesus, in fact, uh, he was on the Spirit on, the, on Sunday, on the day of worship. He was on the Spirit, and he heard the voice from behind calling his name. And he turned to look. There he was, Son of God. His head and hair white than wool. His face brighter than midday sun. Eyes like blazing fire. Doublets were coming out of his mouth. And he was holding seven stars in his right hand. And he walked down the seven golden lampstands. And he had a rope touching the floor. His feet were like burnished bronze. And he fell like a dead man on the, gro- on the ground. He had to learn that this Jesus, who is so close, one who loved him so much, on whom he can recline, is a Son of God. God himself. God himself. And I tell you, that journey from knowing the master, rabbi, A teacher, heavenly teacher, one who did miracles, to the Son of God. And to say that is God himself is the greatest journey a man can take. And John had the privilege. The Holy Spirit is moving here right now as I'm speaking. Thank you, Jesus. So, his, his journey began with being a disciple of John the Baptist. And he was there with John the Baptist. And then on the day Jesus baptized, and so the day John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And when he saw the Holy Spirit come like a dove and rest upon him. And when he was walking away, he pointed to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. And two people out of all the people heard it. One was John and another disciple, uh, Andrew. And uh, John's name is not there, but he is the one who's, because he wrote the gospel, he didn't put his name there. See, this is one of those styles where people want to be anonymous, uh, they don't want to take any credit. So John wrote the gospel, he never put his name. So Andrew and John followed Jesus. In fact, actually the other time, another time John sees him. Again he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes sin of the world. Then they start following Jesus. Then Jesus looks back and says, What do you want? Tisha, where do you live? Come and see. They follow him. It was about 10th hour, about evening 4 o'clock. They go, stay with him that night. And then afterwards, when next day, Andrew goes home, he finds his brother Simon and says, We have found the Messiah about whom the prophets have spoken, about whom the scriptures have borne witness. We have found him. And then he brings his brother Simon. And when he looks at him, he says, Simon, you are a Peter. Your name, he, the very first look, this is what Jesus does. When you come to him, he changes your name. When, he come to you, when you come to him, he changes your destiny. When you come to him, he changes your identity. When you come to him, he gives you a new meaning and new purpose for your life. That is life transforming encounter with Jesus. You can never come to Jesus and go away empty handed. This is not Jesus you meet. When you meet Jesus, you will change. But the disciples, did they change completely? No. Including John. They were back to their profession again. Fishing. That was their profession. Father's profession. He was there back on the sea fishing. Again, Jesus is walking on the Sea Sea of Galilee. And he looks at the sons of Zebedee. And he tells them, Come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left the father, the servants, the boat, the fish, the nets, everything. And they started following. Here is what I want you to focus on. When Jesus calls you, how do you follow him? Have you left anything to follow him? Have you left anything to follow him? Because John the Baptist had to leave what is very most basic things of his livelihood, existence, his fishing. He had to leave it. And again, after after a while, he again finds Simon Peter again in Luke chapter five. You know, all of the by then he had I mean had few disciples with him, and then they couldn't fish anything. Then Jesus said, okay, push the boat into the deep waters. Now cast your net on the right. They catch a large fish. Then Simon had the encounter. He falls on his knees in the boat and he says, I'm a sinner. Go away from me. Go away from me. Go away from me. I'm a sinner. Go away from me. And Jesus says, I'll make you fishers of men. And I tell you that call has not changed. Whether you are a fisherman, whether you are what you are doing does not matter. What, what profession you do, what you are doing for livelihood, does not matter. But when you come to Christ, that call comes to you. That call is to make you fishers of men. That call is for everybody. Not just for pastors, not just for missionaries. But that call is for everybody. That call. What would you like to do this morning about that call? Do not go to heaven alone. Don't go to heaven alone. Take some more people with you. Witness to them. We have the opportunity for Alpha Course now. You, if you don't want to come, but you have someone who can come. For his sake, call them and join them. For her sake, you come with her to the Alpha Course. And bring them. Because that is where you have some basic teaching going there. So that people can be put on this journey to discover who this Jesus is. And to find the call for their own life. So use the opportunity so that people can uh, come. So Matthew 4.21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You know this business of leaving the father? Something very surprising to me. In the whole of the Gospels, when you read about this family, father never came to Jesus. I have not seen him. Father, come to Jesus, I have not seen. Mother followed Jesus. Mother followed Jesus. And she gave from her wealth to support the ministry of Jesus. And then, this family dynamics goes one step further. Because of the mother, the two sons who were following Jesus have become disciples of Jesus. That is, John and James. James and John have become the disciples of Jesus. And one day the mother comes and says to Master, master Rabbi, i want you to do for me whatever i ask whatever i ask jesus says what do you want to ask in your kingdom let my two sons sit one on your left one on your right and jesus says that is not given that is not given to me the place is prepared by my father not up to me but before he says that he says to them can they drink the cup that i am going to drink and both of them say Yes, Master, we are willing to drink. And Jesus says, you will drink the cup, but to sit at my right and my left is not with me, it's with the Father. James was the first one to be beheaded in Acts chapter 12. The first apostle who was beheaded was James. That's a big puzzle to me. How did the Master Plan, his ministry is going to conquer the world. He selects 12 people. Out of the 12, he selects three people and makes them most intimate. He takes them everywhere he goes. He takes them to Jairus' house when he's raising up the Jairus' daughter. And he takes them up the mountain when he uh, transfigures before them. He becomes a completely different person, a heavenly Jesus. Not this physical Jesus, but heavenly Jesus. And his raiment was changed. His everything was bright and shining. And they, uh, when they were on that mountain, the Jesus was transfigured before them. And they see Elijah and Moses come and talk to them about the death of Jesus Christ. And then a cloud comes and covers them. This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Obey him. Do what he says. And they were fear struck. They fell on their faces. And Jesus comes and puts his hand on them. Look up and no one else was there, only Jesus. He tells them, don't talk about it until the son of man dies and rises again from the dead. They didn't understand what is this business of son of man dying. They never understood it. But later on they recollected when all things have happened, they realized this is what Jesus meant. He took James and John and Peter with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was pouring out his heart before God. My God, my Lord, my God. Oh, Father, let your will be done. Not my will, but let your will be done. If it is your will, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thy will be done. And the sweat fell down like great drops of blood. And who was there to witness all this? James, John, and Peter. The three were there. God, Jesus put so much of effort in training these three people. But in very few years after the resurrection and ascension, the first one to die was James. There is a lesson to learn here. No one is indispensable in the kingdom of God. Say to your neighbor, no one is indispensable in the kingdom of God. God can run his business without you and without me. When he gives you the privilege to partner with him, it's a great blessing. But if he doesn't want, he can get rid of you as well. He has a right to do with us whatever he likes to do. He has a right to do with our life, whatever he likes to do. So James was the first one to be de- beheaded. Did he drink the cup? He did. What about John? They say in his old age, maybe he was ninety-year-old and more than that. People's tradition says he was in Rome, and then then he was put into a boiling, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? cauldron with oil, hot oil. They put him in the hot oil, but he did not die. So they took him and sent him to Patmos the island to to be banished and to do some um, cutting the rock splitting the rock that kind of work he was banished to the island of patmos they couldn't kill him there's a tradition i'm not saying it is 100% true it's just a tradition but i'm just telling you what have, what is possibility is when you want to follow christ you should be prepared to drink the cup should be prepared to drink the cup. And these two, James and John said, we can drink the cup. And other disciples were angry with them because they were trying to promote themselves before Christ in his kingdom. That rivalry will be there in the kingdom of God all the time. Somebody wants to come close to Christ and somebody else is jealous of them being close to Christ. But That's just the dynamics. So the family dynamics, if you have looked at it, Let's briefly look at his personality. Every time you see John mentioned in the Gospels, you will also see Simon Peter mentioned at the same time. Both of them are there together. They were sent together. After the resurrection of Christ as well, they were together when they were walking to the temple in Jerusalem. There was a man who was crippled by birth, sitting at a gate called Beautiful, and there, John and uh, uh, Peter and John will be looking at that man, because he was begging for alms, hoping to receive some coins, some coins to be put into his bowl. And he was looking at them expectantly. And then Simon takes the leadership and he says, Silver and gold, I have none, but such as I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he helped him with his hand, and took him by hand, and his legs, legs were strengthened, and he started jumping and walking and sh- praising God. John was there at that time. And when Jesus was alive, at one time when they went to a village in Samaria, Samaria the village did not receive Christ. They said, no, you don't, We are not. you are not welcome in this village. And then what happens? James and John, they say, teacher, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to kill these people, burn them? <laughs> so they were so full of um, desire for Christ, that you know they didn't want any resistance to the name of Christ. Is it wrong to have that kind of energy, that kind of desire for Christ? Nothing wrong. But Jesus said, no, that's not the way we work here. <laughs> but after the resurrection of Christ, when they heard that the Samaria received the gospel, who were sent? Peter and John went to Samaria. The same place where he said, Shall I call down fire to come from heaven and consume the people? But this man is now changed man. He's going to the same people. And how much change did Jesus Jesus bring in John's life? He transformed him completely. When you read the first epistle to John, Little children love one another. Little children love one another. He, was, he outlived all the apostles. He's the last one to die. Some people say he did not die. Recently I heard a man of God on the YouTube. Um, because in John's gospel again, after Jesus talks about how, what manner of death that Peter is going to die, he says, when you are young, you will be able to dress up and go wherever you wanted to go. But a time will come when somebody else will dress you up. And they will take you where you don't want to go. He talked about the way he's going to die. And then he looks at Peter and says, follow me. I tell you, how you live, how you die, doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. But what matters is, you follow him all the days of your life. Follow Jesus all the days of your life. Who kills you? Who talks about you, bad about you? Does not matter. But do you have the heart to follow Jesus? That's the question. And Simon Peter looks at John. What about him? <laughs> I tell you so many times we are worried about other people. We are always worried about other people. What about him? What about her? What about him? What about her? But Jesus said, if I want him to be alive until I come, what does it mean to you? What does it matter to you? Why do you bother about it? And people start believing that he is not going to die until Jesus Christ comes. There are so many things on the YouTube you can see that they say John is still alive in the mountains of Himalaya somewhere. You know? <laughs> so don't go by everything you see in uh, YouTube, because John himself writes in the John's Gospel. He says he says, "What does it matter to you?" He said it. It does not mean he's going to live forever. That is John's own words, his own words. And there is another video in the YouTube which says his tomb is there in Turkey today, near Ephesus, some kilometers away from Ephesus. I would like to believe that one. (laughs) But the point I'm trying to make here is that he was completely transformed. And the only thing you, when he was completely old, the one thing that you hear when you meet John was these words, Little children love one another. Little children love one another. So people asked him, John, why do you keep saying this all the time? He said, because when you fulfill this one, you fulfill everything else. When you fulfill this one, that is when you love one another, you fulfill all the law. Your life motto, your life goal, your life purpose is completely fulfilled when you love one another. This he had so much of zeal for Jesus, calling on fire from heaven. Jesus gave them a nickname to James and John, boy energies, sons of thunder. Sons of thunder, full of energy, full of fire, full of zeal. But the sons of thunder became sons of love. He is the one who said, God is love. The most famous words about the definition of God, he put it in his first epistle, God is love. That's why we put the scripture reading today, that one. When you read the scripture again after listening to this message, and read the first epistle, first epistle of John, every word will make sense to you. Because you have to know who wrote it. And when you know who wrote it, that becomes alive to you. Because you see the man, you see the heart of the man who wrote the epistles. And that will blow you away and not only that oh, thank you jesus he was his personality is completely changed in the sense from one who was fiery man into became man of love you know that transformation has to come in each one of our lives we have to be changed like john was changed how much was he changed how much was he changed when you have the vision of God in the book of Revelation, you got God's throne, and then you got the four living creatures, the Cherubs. They had four faces, the face of a lion, and the face of a man, and the face of an eagle, and the face of an ox, or a bull. And they say that eagle that flies in the high up in the sky can look at the bright shining sun without losing its sight, and yet it can look down and look, at, look for its prey and that by word was symbolized there i do not know exactly why but they say john the baptist sir john the apostle was like the eagle that was there in the in the in the presence of god one of the cherubs the eagle that can look into the face of sun and not lose its sight and he did look into the face of this sun s o n whose face was brighter than midday sun s u n And who fell down like a dead man. Fell down like a dead man. And he heard things about the future which no man has ever heard. You read the book of Revelation for that. Today, if there's any two perplexing questions any Christian can have. One, what is the meaning of the book of Revelation for today? Two, about the events of the end end, end times. In what sequence are going to happen? These are the two largest questions and this man had the clue and he put it all in figurative language and he left it for us to solve it. The puzzle of life is to understand the book of Revelation. I won't preach on the book of Revelation until I have a revelation about it. (laughs) because If you want to hear what man can say, there are many commentaries that you can read. Any comment. I can read 10 commentaries and preach. That's not a very difficult job. But what is important is we must have a revelation about revelation. Then only we have something to say. So that's about the uh, personality, How? what kind of personality he had. And again, the person, when it comes to personality, he was more reserved kind of a guy. He was not outgoing and bubbly like Peter. Like they were in the boat and Jesus sends them away and says, okay, go to the other side, and they were struggling to row the boat, and then they see Jesus walking on the water. They think it is a ghost, and they're terrified about it, and they shouted, and when Jesus stops and says, it is I, do not be afraid, it is I. And then Peter says, if it is you, ask me to come to you on the water. He says, come. He is the only guy who can dare to walk on water. So he puts his foot out and walks on the water. By the time he looks at the waves and the wind, he lost, I mean, fear came into him and he began to sink. And Jesus comes and lifts him up by hand. But you see, John was there in the boat. He did not step out. He did not step out. So, what I'm trying to say is, people can have differing personalities, but you can still follow Jesus. You can still follow Jesus. You can be like Peter, you can be like John. But you can still follow Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are, what personality you have. You you cannot have your personality as an excuse, excuse not to follow Jesus. Oh, I am like this. I am like this. I am not fit to follow Christ. No. Come to him as you are, whatever personality you have. God will take that personality and change it. Jesus will change your personality so that you can be useful in his kingdom. You can be useful in his kingdom. And he became one of the pillars in the church at Jerusalem. After Saul persecuted, and I mean, he, I mean he was a witness to Stephen being stoned, a great persecution broke out. Everybody left Jerusalem and ran away. but Peter and John were in Jerusalem. They were holding the fort. They, didn't, they, did not, uh, they were not terrified and didn't run away from there. They stood there. And when, when, uh, when uh, Peter and uh, uh, John uh, he healed that man, crippled man, and then the, they were called by the Sanhedrin to be questioned. You know, they were called and threatened and all kinds of things. Along with Peter was John as well in the prison. So when you follow Christ, it doesn't mean it will all be bed of roses, piece of cake, you know, the kind of thing. It's not that kind of a life you must give yourself completely to Christ. The times are coming, the end times. We are in the end times now. We are stepped into the end times. You must be willing to live for Christ, whatever is the price. Whatever is the price, you must be willing to live for Him. That kind of dedication, that kind of commitment only will help you to survive the end times. We need to become like John. Whether you are thrown on Patmos, whether in Ephesus, whether in Jerusalem, whether in Samaria, wherever you are, you need to be an agent, a representative of Christ. And that is, that is what John was. And once they saw a man casting out demons, and John says, we stopped him, because he is not one of us. The man who was casting out demons is not one of the apostles. And John says, we stopped him. And Jesus said, don't stop him. He who is is for me cannot be against me. Today he is casting out demons in my name. Tomorrow he cannot speak against me. So many times we are so jealous for Christ. Like John. We stop people from doing the ministry of God. Why do you want to stop people? Let them do is not, did not Jesus say in the parable of the kingdom, uh, it is like a man who went and sowed wheat in his field. But the enemy came and sowed tares in the night. And after some time they say, oh, they see in the field both wheat and the tares. So the servants go and say, do you want us to pull out the tares? The master says, no, let them grow. At the end, we will reap the wheat and bring it to the barn the tares will collect and burn them. So today you have got ministries, many ministries, which are like tares growing in the wheat field. We have to be very careful. We have to be very careful to know whether you are in the wheat field or it is a field mixed with tares. Because that is the kingdom of God today, as it is. We need to know where we go. What church we go? What group we go? What kind of activities we do? Are they from God or is not from God? It looks like God. It will look like God. You, know, you will think so many things. Recently I saw a, a video about Jim Jones. Jim Jones is one of those guys uh, who made all his followers to eat cyanide and they all died in, on the same one second. You know, Everybody ate. Hundreds of them died. In his meetings, healings were happening. In his meetings, many things were happening. But it was not the gospel of Christ. Not the gospel of Christ. So if you walk into his meeting, you will think it is a real meeting. So that's the reason why, just because some things happen, doesn't mean it's the right place to go. So we need to know where we are going. May God help us that we will be we will remain wheat field, not tares field. Because this is what Christ has planted this church to be, a field of wheat. So let's just be faithful to that. And then he was also called one of the pillars of the early church in Jerusalem. You, you'll see the name of Peter, James and John initially. Then James was beheaded. And when Pete, when Paul came to Jerusalem, uh, with a gift, and also to clarify the matters about circumcision. We talked about in the book of Galatians when we studied it. In the council was all three people who were there, James, John, and uh, Peter. And they were the ones who made the decision that Gentiles need not be circumcised. But later on, again, the second time when Paul comes, that time, John was not there in Jerusalem. You only hear about Peter there. And James was beheaded by that time. And uh, so that's why when you read the Bible, you need to read carefully and looking at the details. And then, by then, he must have moved to Ephesus. When Paul came a second time, probably he wasn't there. But afterwards, very soon later, Paul was also imprisoned in Rome. So probably they may not have seen each other, but you see that John had contributed to the church at Ephesus a lot. In fact, in the book of Revelation, when he writes in the second chapter and the third chapter, you see he writes seven letters to seven churches. Those seven churches are the ones that were dear to John, where he ministered more at the end times, at the end of his life, the seven churches. And uh, Jesus dictates a letter to him to write to the seven churches. He gave his life completely to the seven churches. So John has uh, um, uh, done all these things, and uh, and one time in the book of Revelation, you know that's a heavenly vision basically, and there was an angel, and he thought he. Uh, he, was, uh, he, he, he fell down to worship that angel and the angel says don't worship me don't worship me I'm also one, of, one like you I'm also like one like you so can a man like John who had the greatest vision of Christ be mistaken and worship somebody who is not who should not be worshipped you know this is only a warning for us whom do you appreciate more whom do you like more, whom you want to follow more? You need to have the discernment. Sometimes we put some pastures above normal. You put them more than human, you treat them. That's not right. Men are men. Men are men. Great men fall greatly, that's what someone said. You know, great men fall greatly. So we should be very careful about these things. And build our life with fear and trembling. Build our life with fear and trembling. The question today is Are we willing to go through change? How, what is the change you see in your life after following Christ for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? What has changed in you? Have you come close to Christ? Are you still trying to lean on a physical Christ? Are you having that encounter with Christ who is, whom John saw on the island of Patmos? What is your encounter with Christ? I wish that our eyes would be opened to see this Jesus whom John saw on the island of Patmos. I have no count how many times I have prayed that prayer in my worship, personal worship. I use those words of John's vision. And I say, Lord, I fall at your feet, worship you. Your head and hair, white than wool, white than snow. Your eyes like blazing fire. Your face is brighter than midday sun. There's a double sword coming out of your mouth. You hold the seven stars in your right hand. You walk among the seven golden lampstands. And your robe is touching the floor. There's this golden sash around your chest. And your feet are like burnished bronze. I fall at your feet, worship you. I fall at your feet, worship you. And I take up that verse, the famous words of the kirup saying, Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Father. Holy is Jesus Christ. Holy is the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. That's what is ringing in heaven all the time. And if that is ringing in heaven all the time, can we have 15 minutes or 30 minutes to say holy in a day? Five minutes in a day to worship this holy God. I tell you, when you worship him as holy, something happens in your life. Something changes in your life. Recently I told a friend of mine, you begin worshipping saying holy, holy, holy for 30 minutes and tell me what happens. And he says, I've been living in a depression, I've been living in oppression, I've been having so many problems, but everything is gone. I have got peace now in my mind after worshipping the Lord saying holy, 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 ascribing holiness to the three persons of the Godhead. Father is holy. Jesus is holy. Holy Spirit is holy. Say that again and again. As you worship him, feel that pulse in the heaven. Feel the smell of heaven. Feel that energy of heaven. Feel the light of heaven. Oh, I tell you, it's glorious to worship, saying holy, holy, holy. And John had the most life-transforming encounter with Christ on the island of Patmos. You may be going through a difficult time like the island of Patmos. Don't worry about it. Just ask Jesus, can I see you as John saw you on the island of Patmos? In my difficulty, can I see your power? In my difficulty, can I see your glory? In my difficulty, can I see your uh, splendor and glory? And I tell you, God will open your eyes to see him, even though you are in that situation that is inexplicable, difficult to understand, difficult to fathom. But you will come out a different person, through that different different. You can go through the fiery furnace, but you will come out different. Because the smell of smoke will not be there on your hair, your hair will not be singed, nor your clothes will catch the smell of smoke. You will come out clean. What a great calling Jesus has for each one of us. What a great calling. What a great calling. He wants us to walk like John. (laughs) and hear his voice. Hear his voice. Shall we close our eyes. Shara ka vastha kuro kireni. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Re ra ka vara sandhastha kuro Maha kireni. Roko varnaste sabarastha Lord, I have spoken now about John. Your beloved disciple, who had the great privilege of putting his head on your chest. Decline, with support, you being his support, when he sat down on the ground at mealtime. You are our support, O God. Lord Jesus, I pray, help those who are weary, help those who are tired, help those who are, O God, troubled by different issues in their life to rest their head on your chest right now and put the nail pierced hand around them and give them their closest hug. Comfort them, encourage them, build their faith to the glory of your name. Help them to lean upon you now. Help them to lean upon you now. Let them have an encounter like John had on the island of Patmos. I pray bring them out to this fiery furnace that your children are going through. Whatever difficult situation they have, bring them out, oh God. Put a new song in their heart to worship you and to sing unto you. Re rakabharana mandastu savarhaste rekashireni bor sandakashrastor horoni shaka barana sande bahabarana mahandastukoroni shaktar rohoborso koroni rahaschareste bereni mahashareste koroni rokos savarasto koroni rahas sandabarna koroni rahas shaktar hasse bere bhasto the lord says who will respond to my call in these difficult times that are going to come in the in the future who wants to follow me as John followed me, as Peter followed me, just stand where you are and I would like to pray for you. God says my infinite power will not fail you. My infinite power will not fail you. My infinite power, power will not fail you. It will strengthen you. It will build you. It will be your support. It will be your vision. It will be your hearing. It will be your strength. It will be your breath in your lungs. You wonder sometimes, can my faith survive what I am going through? Jesus is telling you, it is not possible with men, but everything is possible with God. What is possible, not possible with men is possible with God. Your faith will be strengthened right now. Stand where you are. Christ will touch you. His Holy Spirit will come and touch you, to strengthen you. stand where you are, stand where you are. This is a call on your life today. There's a call on your life today to follow him, to do His will. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, Lord, I bring your children under the blood of Christ. Every one of them. And I bind the power of Satan upon their lives. Prince for rules of darkness. Every family spirit that comes to kill, sin and destroy. I bind in on Jesus' mighty name. Be gone. Let my people go in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray. Come with power upon your children. Right now, those who have stood up, strengthen them. Let them feel your glory that is tingling around them. Oh God, I pray, let your glory come upon them. Let a glory come upon them. Let a glory come. 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 Touch your children now in the mighty name of Jesus. I fall at your feet, worship Jesus. My Lord, my God, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. Bless everyone today to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We'll go for our parting blessing. Please stand here. Oh, sorry, sorry. We have communion. One excuse me. (laughs) Pardon me for that slip. Yeah, we have a communion here. The other day I was reading in the Gospels about the communion. And Jesus Christ, when he had the Last Supper, he said, how I have longed to celebrate this Passover with you. I will not eat this bread until in the kingdom anew with you." And when he gives the cup, he says again, I will not drink this grape juice again, the wine again, until I do so in the kingdom of God again. So the communion does not end here. It is going to be celebrated in heaven. We are going to be there with Jesus and partake in that communion in heaven. But meanwhile, as we, communu- as we partake in the communion, let us strengthen our faith. Let the weak knees be strengthened. Let the weak hands be strengthened. So that you can continue to be faithful witness as John was in this world. As Peter was in this world. So we are going to partake in the communion. And I'll just read from you from 1 Corinthians. <laughs> I request uh, Rao and Benjamin and uh, Brother Owen to bring the uh, elements to you but I'll just read the scripture for you before they come to you. Just wait for me a few seconds. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. The question that was asked to James and John was, Are you willing to drink the cup? And they said, "We will." Jesus said, "You will drink the cup. You will drink the cup. As we partake in the communion, let's not hold back anything, even our own life, even our own life. Let us just yield ourselves completely to Him and partake in the communion. Before we, the elements are brought to you, we will pray for this: sharaka rehandarasta sharasta sharaka Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your broken body. Jesus, I thank you for the broken body. Through your broken body, we have healing for our bodies. Salvation. So right now, as your children partake in the communion bread, I pray that their bodies will be healed and restored and strengthened to the glory of your name. The same way, O God, we thank you for this cup, which is representing the precious blood shed for us on the cross. As your children partake in this, Uh, I mean uh, grape juice I pray that Lord Father the bread of Jesus will speak for your children and set them free from every suffering set them free from every oppression of the enemy set them free O God into your new joy and new freedom in Christ and I pray that they will be free as they partake in the communion to the glory of your name bless your children in Jesus name we pray Amen take a piece of bread hold it in your hand and the cup we'll partake together. Reera ka varana sandhasthe kesare, reka varana sandhasthe kuru, sasthe kesare. Shara ka sibarun, rehandra sibristhe Shara ka reva shaktaro sasthe What happened? Thank you, Jesus. मंदस्त रोको ने मंदस्त करूँ, Thank you Jesus, Thank you Jesus, Hallelujah, Thank you, Thank you, Thank you, Thank you, Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let us remember the words of John in his old age. He said, Little children, love one another. As we partake in this communion, let us commit ourselves to love one another to the glory of his name. Let's partake together in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let us thank the Lord. Father, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you Lord Jesus for, willing, for your willingness to lay your life for us upon the cross. Thank you for reconciling us. Thank you for justifying us. Thank you for calling us as your daughters and sons. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Thank you Lord for the calling to follow you like John and Peter and other apostles did. And help us to follow you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. Rahasta koroni shasta koroni. And help us love one another to the glory of your name. Thank you for children. Bless each one of them. And may your peace be upon them. And may your grace be abundantly available to them. And protect them. And bless them. The glory of your name. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Omega. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough. Or simply to find out more. Please head to our website or Facebook page in the links below.